Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to the Boiler Alert podcast. Just Andrew Ledman flying solo with you tonight. Uh, We had planned to do a mailbag episode, but uh, having trouble getting hold of Ryan. I don't know if it's a technical issue or what. So uh, I'm just going to pop in and do a couple of the things uh, that got sent to us on Twitter. But uh, I also just saw a news story come across uh, from ESPN, Pete Thamel, talking about how the Big Ten TV deal is currently unfinished and in jeopardy, and that was a pretty jarring headline. So I wanted to take a look and at least pass this information along to you all. Um, You'll recall it was a big blockbuster deal, kind of the last thing that Kevin Warren did before he walked out of the door uh, to be president and uh, CEO of of the Chicago Bears. But it was a $7 billion TV deal. It was, it was this huge, huge, massive undertaking that was going to make the Big Ten the marquee conference as far as media rights deals. And it, it, was, a, it was looked at as a stroke of genius, looked at as something that all other conferences in college uh, athletics were going to be jealous of. And it was going to be the, the benchmark against all other media rights deals were measured. Well, now we're learning that... Warren, either he made some mistakes or he didn't fully, uh, you know, cross the T's and dot the I's on the way out, uh, according to Pete Thamel, that is. So, I mean, you know, he's a he's a good reporter over at ESPN, so I do trust what he says, but it sounds like there were quite a few mistakes made. Um, it looks like $70 million of this deal could be in jeopardy, which would equal $5 million per school, because as as you know, as of... Uh, this season, there are still only 14 teams in the Big Ten. We don't go to the 16 um, until 2024 when USC and UCLA come on. So it looks like these these mistakes, and again, this is directly from Pete Thamel at ESPN, um, the, the Big Ten is going to have to pay back nearly $40 million to Fox uh, because Kevin Warren delivered NBC the Big Ten title game in 2026 without full authority to do so. So it's just unbelievable that you would hand something off to another network without the ability to do so. Um, just kind of astounding that there wasn't a, a note 
in his you know negotiation packet. Big Ten title game up for grabs starting in 2027 uh, or something similar. So that is that is an unforced error if I've ever heard one. Um, that is completely on Kevin Warren and the folks who prepared him for these negotiations. You cannot have a mistake like that. That is absolutely unconscionable to me. Um, so just kind of astounding there. Uh, they they also have to apparently pay $25 million to Fox uh for lost 2020 football game inventory uh, regarding the lost revenue from COVID. So that, I don't know that that's avoidable. Uh, that was just, you know, COVID. The COVID season was a wild, wild ride. No one really knew what was going on. Um, so it, it's tough to say uh, how that could have been handled better. But that's still, you know, that's $25 million more dollars. We're now up to $65 million. Um, and then apparently there's tens of millions of dollars of value of the NBC deal that is in flux uh, as new Big Ten commissioner uh, Patetti or Petiti has is according to this has been racing to ensure it keeps as much of its original value as possible so this is just kind of astounding that we're just about three months away from Big Ten football starting and this contract which we all thought was you know buttoned up and ready to go is not done uh, it's just absolutely um, incredible. So I don't know, again, I don't know how much of this was Kevin Warren. I don't know how much of this was the folks who prepared him because as the commissioner of the Big Ten, he's not down there, you know, eight to ten hours a day negotiating with these guys. In theory, he's coming up with the broad strokes. He's allowing people to do the negotiating, and then maybe he's coming in to finalize things. You know, it's it's the same way you see with any negotiation with the big names. They generally stay out of it um, until there's something actually to be done. So that I I don't know how much you put on Warren, except for the fact that he was the commissioner, and so everything runs through him. And this kind of mistake costing the conference. It sounds like you know $65 million is listed, um, but then with tens of millions in flux, I, what does tens of millions mean? Does it mean $10 million? Does it mean $90 million? I mean, that is a huge window right there, and that is a lot, a lot of revenue just to have slide out the door because someone didn't fully take care of the process as you were finishing it up, and that is really, really disappointing, um, especially... You know, a lot of people did not like Kevin Warren when he was the Big Ten commissioner. I think following in Delaney, uh, Delaney's footsteps was never going to be easy. It was always going to be tough. Um, but I think people did not like the way that the COVID situation was handled. Um, you know, Nebraska fans in particular were very upset about it uh, and the way they were treated in that scenario. So it was not a good look, but it, it was it was a situation that no one could have prepared for. So. I think he gets a lot of blame that he doesn't deserve, um, but it's it was a difficult situation. I think he did the best that he could. Um, so that I don't put too much stock in. I think people were in a bad position. Warren was in a bad position following Delaney. I think it would have been impossible um, to truly follow in his footsteps because Delaney was probably the most powerful man in college sports for you know a number of years, and that is hard to follow. Um, it would have been tough no matter what. So, but man, this is this is not a good look for Kevin Warren as he walks out the door uh, to a big job in in the NFL. But it, it doesn't doesn't look good uh, for Kevin Warren, and I don't 
I don't envy the new commissioner as he kind of looks to to finalize this. It, it so you really do have to read this article to get the full measure of it because it, it's incredible. I want to read you this one sentence. A full understanding of the deal Warren helped negotiate with NBC, CBS, and Fox begins with a bizarre twist. The Big Ten didn't technically own the rights. What a situation. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. The, the more I read about this, the more it sounds like everyone at the Big Ten just absolutely fumbled it. Um, and it's something that hopefully... Uh, Patetti can wrap it up, get that money back in the deal and do everything he can because certainly, you know, $5 million a school doesn't sound like it's going to, you know, be huge over the life of the of the contract. But man, I'm sure Purdue would like that $5 million and has some things that they could work on with that $5 million. Uh, finish up some finish up some renovations. You know, they've got the Ross Aid renovations, they've got the Mackey um Locker room renovations, so there's money going out the door. So to have five million that you were counting on not show up would be quite the hit. Uh, but man, I, I really hope they get this uh, sewn up pretty fast. But man, it, it is not a good look. So up next, I wanted to do a couple of the questions that we received. Um, I'll probably save a lot of them until next week. Um, when I'm back with Ryan, just so we can go into them a little more um, in depth, because I, I think there were some good ones. A lot of them were about Zach Eady. No surprise there. We're now ten days away from the deadline uh, of when we have to figure out, or of when Eady has to announce if he's going to stay in the draft or if he's going to come back to Purdue for what we assume would be his last season. He still does have the option for that COVID year, but that seems unlikely. Um, uh, I mean, I know Zach Eady has the chance to make a boatload of money here at Purdue under NIL, uh, but I can't imagine he's going to want to stay at college for another year simply because he has the opportunity under those rules from COVID. Um, he'll have a number of opportunities in the professional ranks, whether that be the NBA or whether that be um, overseas or even back in Canada. You know, um, I'm sure it would be great for him to maybe go up to Canada and play, being that it is where he is from, closer to family. Um, and it would be a great opportunity, you know, for him. But I know he wants the NBA. Every player wants the NBA. Um, so as he goes through that process, as I said, we're down to 10 days until we find out. Um, whenever it is announced, we will be hopping on uh, to do an emergency uh, podcast just so we get the latest information out to you all. So whether that comes, you know, tomorrow the 22nd or whether that comes on the 31st, we will definitely let you know as soon as we know something uh, from Zach Eady, not from some random Twitter account. We want to hear it uh, exactly from uh, Zach Eady, or at the very least, you know, a couple of uh, very prominent basketball writers. We we want something that we can trust, not random gossip. So one one question that I did want to cover uh, just on my own is we got a question uh, from and I lost it. Here we go. We got a question from Rob Johnson 
at Johnson underscore 937 on Twitter. Is it time to start mixing in a zone defense? It can help preserve energy for the offensive end, and we're one of the few teams that are 100% man. Now, I want to give a two-part answer to this. Uh, One, intellectually, absolutely, there should be some sort of zone defense in the defensive mix for Purdue. But I think people so often just look out there and be like, oh, just run a zone, just run a 2-3, just do whatever, as if it's the easiest thing in the world um, to do well. You can run a zone defense and be very bad at it and, you know, have even worse defense than you would with man-to-man, create horrible problems, um, and allow the offense to just score at will. You really have to know how to communicate, how to uh, respond to the offense to run a really good zone. And the question you have to ask yourself is, is that something that you want Painter and staff to be putting the time in uh, over the summer and during the season, uh, leading up to the season, to implement? Because Painter's not going to do something where the team is half-assed into it. If you'll recall, uh, a few years ago, he tried to throw in a zone look um, on defense. And it was very brief. He only did it for a couple minutes a game, and it never really went anywhere. It wasn't terrible, but it certainly wasn't up to the level that you would want them to see if they're going to you know, throw in a change-up like that uh, from game to game. Um, so I would, I would think it is definitely something that they should consider if Painter believes that it's something that he has the, the talent and the bodies to implement. Because, as I said, and this is the second part of my answer, um, you know, as I said, the two answers, if you, you, you don't want to do it just to do it. You have to do it and believe that it can truly help your guys. You have to believe that it can, as the questioner said, maybe it can save you some energy on the offensive end, or, if nothing else, throw the opponent's offense off balance a little bit. And if you can't really do either of those things, what is the point of it? If the point of it is just to shut up the people on the internet, that's a terrible reason to make a change. Um, Painter is a man-to-man defense guy. Gene Cady was a man-to-man defense guy. Now, it is it has certainly worked for Purdue in that they've won a lot of Big Ten titles under those two guys. They've won Big Ten tournament titles um, under Matt Painter, and they you know have had some success uh, in the NCAA tournament. We've reached the Elite Eight, no Final Fours. Obviously, no championships. Are those two facts related? I don't think so. Um, But it's certainly an argument you could make um, if you really go down the rabbit hole and look at what type of defenses teams play that make the Final Four, make the championship, win the championship, whatever. I mean, you could make that argument, but I'm not sure that they are connected. Um, I think so much of it just has to do with guard play in the NCAA tournament, and so much of it has to do with you know, who gets hot, what the luck of the draw is, who you play, when you play them. I mean, there are just so many factors that I don't think, as many people do, that a zone defense for Purdue is just going to solve all of their problems. Um, I think that kind of thinking is, is, is just a folly. So I, I wouldn't expect Painter to implement a zone defense, but I, I think it is something he should consider, uh, but only if he believes that he has the personnel to do it. So... There is only one more thing I wanted to cover on the podcast today, and that is to send out a happy, happy birthday, number 87, 
to head coach Gene Cady. Hall of Fame head coach Gene Cady, by the way. Both college and the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, members of both of those. Uh, you know, what what an honor it was to have him representing Purdue. Um, I'll tell you a quick two quick Gene Cady stories. I think I've told at least one of them on the podcast before, uh, but they always make me smile because... Uh, you know, growing up, Gene Cady was the was the coach that I watched uh, from Purdue. You know, he was he was the coach when I was born, and he was the coach when I was in my freshman year at Purdue. So, um, just an absolutely incredible run uh, for Coach Cady at Purdue. So, two quick stories. One, uh, my family we lived about two hours away from Lafayette growing up, and we would go up to the occasional football game, the occasional basketball game. And one day walking around Mackey Arena, I believe it was before a football game. It must have been. Um, and we saw Gene Cady walking around Mackey. Um, I don't know what he was doing, going to a meeting. Who knows? Um, I, I don't remember my age at this time. I was, I couldn't have been more than like nine years old. Um, but I saw Gene Cady coming uh, this way toward me as we were walking to Ross Aid. And I just looked at him and I yelled, Hey, Gene! And just like threw my arm up. And he heard me, turned to look, kind of like a little bewildered, but gave, just had the biggest smile on his face when he saw it was, you know, me, a little kid. Uh, and waved, put up his arm, smiled, and just kept walking. And, you know, years later, I look back at that story and I'm like, oh, thank God I wasn't an IU fan and yelled, hey, Bobby, or hey, Bob, I would have been strangled. And, uh, I really could have had a, a traumatic experience there if that was Bobby Knight, but thank God it was Gene Cady. Um, and I was able to, uh, have that nice little story there. And then, uh, years later, my wife and I, uh, we moved out to the East coast, um, lived in Maryland, I believe at this time. Yeah. Um, and Gene Cady came to DC for a Purdue alumni event at the mansion at O street, which if you know anything about the DC area, it's this oddly designed mansion with like, uh, false doors and hidden rooms and uh you you just get a walk around and they're like there are 37 hidden rooms let's see how many you can find and it's just it's a really bizarre place but it was fun to go um and just kind of explore but uh after the drinks and the and the snacks and the walking around um Gene Katie came and he gave a he gave a little talk and talked about of course his time at Purdue and um all that it was a really great time and afterwards he stayed for um pictures and autographs and um my wife and I kind of got in like the back of the line. And as we got to the front, he was still standing up there just chatting to everybody. And, you know, we got up to the front and he asked us, Oh, you know, did you guys go to Purdue? And we said, yes. And he immediately was like, okay, what'd you major in? Uh, when'd you graduate? And he was just asking us questions about what we were doing for a living and, you know, what made us come out here, where we were from. Cause we, he, you know, we were both from Indiana. He's like, Oh wow, you guys are long way from home and I know it's it was what he was there to do was you know to be a to be a nice guy to be taking pictures um to represent himself as part of the Purdue family but it just it was very cool to have him show such interest actually speak with people um you know inquire about what they were doing and show a real ability just to connect with everyone who was there and I thought that was really great. You know, it really showed how much he cared um, about those folks. And in those moments where you're speaking with Gene Cady, you can truly see um, his love for Purdue um, and how much he has 
loved his connection to the university, how much he loved his time there. Um, so to be his age, 87 years old, um, to be absolutely beloved by a college um, fan base, it's hard to ask for anything more. We still got to get a Final Four and a championship for Coach Katie while he's alive. Um, that is my biggest hope. You know, I would love it for myself. I would love it for the the team. I would love it for Matt Painter. Um, but I want I want Gene Katie to be alive to see it um, because he worked so damn hard and he got so damn close to a Final Four um, on numerous occasions. But man, I would just love love uh, to have him get that opportunity. So. That, that's what I'm thinking about tonight uh, on Coach Katie's birthday. So I think that's going to do it tonight. Um, as I said, Ryan uh, was unable to be with us tonight, but he will be back next week. So for Ryan and myself, thanks so much. Boiler up.